Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Peter Schiff Show. Today's podcast is sponsored by Indeed. You can trust Indeed as a hiring partner because they want the same thing that you do, finding quality candidates. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com Peter. Offer valid through March 31st. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Mint Mobile. For people who hate their phone bills and who are ready to cut the ties with big wireless, now you can cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month and get a plan shipped to your door for free at mintmobile.com gold. The markets finished a volatile day on Tuesday in the red. The average is generally closing near the lows of the day. The Dow Jones was down 184 points. That was almost 800 points lower than its intraday high. Talk about a turnaround Tuesday. A lot of the volatility centered around President Biden's midday speech, although everybody kind of knew the speech was coming all morning, where Biden announced that the U.S. was going to officially suspend imports from Russia, in particular Russian oil, which really accounts for about 3% of U.S. consumption. Of course, when Biden announced that he was going to ban the import of Russian oil into the United States, He also claimed that he wanted American oil companies to make up the difference and to produce more oil, but he also didn't want U.S. oil companies taking advantage of American consumers. He didn't want any price gouging. He didn't want any profiteering. 
But of course, that's exactly what's needed in order to increase production. If you want domestic oil and gas companies to produce more, you have to let them earn more. They have to keep more of their revenues. They have to be able to generate higher profits to justify making the investments. In fact, a lot of the investments have to be financed based on debt. And the lenders don't want to lend unless they know the companies borrowing are going to make enough profits to pay back the loans. So you can't, on the one hand, say that you want more domestic oil and gas production, but then scold the domestic oil and gas industry if they try to make a profit when prices are high. Because it's a very cyclical industry and you got to make hay while the sun shines. You can't tell companies who suffer losses when times are bad that they can't have profits when times are good. And if you want energy consumers to cut back on consumption and conserve resources in times of scarcity, one of the best ways to do that is through higher prices. So higher prices kill two birds with one stone. They simultaneously cause an increase in supply and a decrease in demand, which is exactly what you need when you have shortages and high prices. Oil prices also firmer on the day. In fact, at one point during the day, we almost got back to $130 a barrel. We got to about $129.50. We ended up settling the day just under $125 a barrel, but still up better than $5.00. Energy prices continue to go up, as do commodity prices across the board, industrial metal prices. Looking at what happened, though, in the stock market today, with the Dow's near 200-point drop, the index is now 11.7% below its record high, finally in correction territory. Deeper in correction territory is the S&P 500. It's now down by 13.5%. In bear market territory, though, both the Russell 2000 and the NASDAQ composite, Russell 2000 is down 20.2% from its high, and the NASDAQ is down 20.9%. So as I have been forecasting on this podcast, I expected the NASDAQ to enter a bear market, and now it has. I think the same fate awaits the S&P and the Dow provided the Federal Reserve doesn't come to the rescue and prevent it from happening. In fact, given how bad the fundamentals are, it's surprising to me that we're not already in bear market territory in those indexes and deeper into bear market territory on the NASDAQ. But of course, beneath the headlines, there are a lot of stocks that are deep, deep in bear market territory because the average stock is down much more than the indexes, particularly if you look at the very speculative end of the spectrum. Again, the ARK Innovation ETF. I like to talk about the Kathy Wood Fund a lot. It's now down 63%, although interestingly enough, it was actually positive on the day after hitting an intraday new low where it was down about 64%. But that really gives you an idea of the type of carnage that typical American investors are experiencing because a lot of Americans not only own the ARK Innovation ETF, but they own a lot of the stocks that are in that ETF. And so they're getting beaten up just like that ETF. But in sharp contrast to the weakness in the stock market is the strength in the gold market. As I mentioned on my last podcast, the price of gold rose to a record high priced in euros. 
but it hadn't quite hit a record high in dollars. I thought a record was coming and we set it today. You know, yesterday gold got above 2000, but it couldn't quite hold that gain and it sold off. I think the high price was around 2003, 2004, but I knew the next time we got through that benchmark, we would make a much bigger surge higher. And that's exactly what we did. We got above 2050, which was a new all-time record high. I think the old record high from about June of last year of 2021 was around 2040 to 2050, but we didn't quite touch 2050. This time we got closer to 2070. I saw the market at one point above 2065. We settled, I think, at around 2055, up just over $55 on the day. Silver also had a strong day up 70 cents, closing at 26.36. Gold and silver stocks in general were higher on the day, but nothing like they should be if you look at how much the price of gold was up because the GDX, which is the index of senior gold producers, was only up about 0.5%. Now, it was up quite a bit more earlier in the day, but it wasn't able to hold on to those gains, although, again, we still closed in the black, but given a 2.75% rise in the price of gold, closing at a new all-time record high, you would think there would be a little more enthusiasm among gold stock investors, but no, gold continues to scale this wall of worry. Investors are still not buying the gold bull market. They still expect the price of gold to fall. In fact, everybody has been expecting the price of gold to fall for years because the conventional wisdom was, well, the Fed's going to be hiking rates and that's bad for gold. And so when the Fed finally starts hiking rates, gold's going to go down. Well, the problem is gold already factored in all those rate hikes. They were discounted into the price. And so at this point, it doesn't matter if the Fed hikes rates. Gold's already discounted those hikes and it's going higher. And the problem is the hikes are too little too late. Interest rates are going to remain negative the entire time the Fed is hiking rates. In fact, they're hiking rates so slowly that real rates are going to go down even as nominal rates are inching up. This is very bullish for the gold market, but investors still don't understand that. But that's why gold stocks have been so reluctant to rise Gold has been dragging the gold stocks behind it. And a lot of people have also interpreted that as a bad sign because typically it's the stocks that lead the metal. And when you see the metal going up with a lack of confirmation from the stocks, normally the rally doesn't hold, but that hasn't been working. The rally has persisted despite the fact that we haven't had confirmation from the mining stocks, even though several of those stocks have made 52-week highs both today and this week. They're not doing anywhere near as well as you would expect, given not only the current and past strength in the gold market, but the prospects for future strength. In fact, I think one of the reasons that gold stocks are not being bought And if you look at where gold stocks were, the GDX, for example, the last time the price of gold was this high, the GDX was about 20% higher than it is right now. So we need that 20% gain just to catch up to where we were the last time gold prices were this high. But of course, if you go back to 2011, when gold prices were not this high, when they were lower, 
Gold stocks were much higher. I think the GDX would have to go up about 70% to get back to where it was back in 2011. And the juniors, the GDXJ, those stocks would have to triple or quadruple to get back to where they were when gold was at 1900 and today it's 2055. So these stocks are very, very cheap on a fundamental basis, which is one of the reasons that I continue to pound the table on these stocks. They're not just speculative stocks. They're actually value stocks. You know, Kathy Wood is delusional when she talks about how the tech stocks that she's managing are now value stocks because they're so cheap. They're not. They're still massively overpriced. They're wildly expensive. Kathy Wood just doesn't understand that because she's trapped in this bubble and she's got this false perspective based on how overpriced those stocks used to be. She now thinks the price is a bargain when they're still overpriced. But that is the case with a lot of these gold stocks. They really are some of the best value stocks on the market. So you can kill two birds with one stone. You can be a value investor and you can invest for speculation by buying these gold stocks. But I think one of the reasons that investors are reluctant to buy is because they're dismissing the gold rally as a temporary phenomena related to the geopolitical tensions and what's happening with Russia and the Ukraine. And I don't even think what's happening in gold has anything to do with that because I think the price of gold would have gone up anyway. In fact, had nothing happened in the Ukraine and Russia, it's possible that the price of gold would already be higher than it is right now. Now, why do I say that? Well, if you look at the trend in gold before the Russia situation, it was already going up, as were other commodity prices, as were oil prices. The Fed was on the cusp of raising rates, so the gold market had already discounted all those rate hikes, and it didn't matter. The U.S. economy was already in the process of rolling over if you look at the data. In fact, we got more data today on the U.S. trade deficit for January. So this is the first month of the year. And as I expected, it was another record high in our overall trade deficit. This is the unified trade deficit, which includes goods and services. And we still have a surplus in services to offset our deficit. But the expectation was for an 86 billion dollar deficit and that would have followed the 80.7 billion dollar deficit in December of last year well that was revised up to 82 billion and the January deficit came out at 89.7 billion above even the highest estimate in the range of expectations so the U.S. economy extremely weak we are hemorrhaging red ink with these massive deficits these deficits would have been weighing down the dollar The dollar had already started to decline and it was declining prior to the Russia invasion of the Ukraine. So I think the combination of a weakening U.S. dollar, a weakening U.S. economy, and the fact that all of the rate hikes were already factored into the price of gold and the gold market was already looking behind the rate hike mountain into the rate cutting valley because after the Fed finished the rate hike cycle, which I think was going to be a very truncated cycle. It may have even ended before it began because even the tiniest of pins would prick this bubble. And as the U.S. economy moved into recession, the Fed would reverse course, cut rates, 
return to QE. And I think the gold market already started to factor that in. And so since the Russia situation has now caused this safe haven rally into the dollar, the dollar index now at 99, in fact, just above 99, that is a headwind for gold. Had the dollar index continued to fall, that would have been more bullish for the price of gold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Also, prior to what just happened in Russia, there was a major rotation underway out of U.S. stocks into European stocks. European stocks looked extremely attractive relative to U.S. stocks. Much better valuations, much better prospects for earnings. And in a rotation out of momentum into value, Europe had a lot of the value stocks. It was the U.S., that had all these big tech stocks and overpriced momentum stocks and meme stocks. So a lot of money was already flowing into European stocks out of U.S. stocks, which was putting downward pressure on the dollar, which was bullish for gold. And also we were seeing a movement into commodities, which would include gold and silver. And so I think that the price of gold might already be higher than 2055, even if Russia had never invaded the Ukraine. Now, they did invade, and so we won't know the counterfactual. The price of gold is going up as it should go up, but because of this event, you have people that think, well, that's the only reason gold's going up when it's not. And since they know that this conflict won't go on forever, they just assume that eventually, when we have a resolution, we have some type of treaty, there's some kind of compromise, and maybe somebody saves face, maybe nobody saves face, but at some point, there will be a resolution. It's not going to go on forever. And a lot of people think, well, as soon as this thing gets resolved, the price of gold is going to crash. And so I'm not going to buy these gold stocks based on a temporarily inflated gold price if the gold price is going to tank in the future and therefore these gold stocks won't have the opportunity to sell their gold at these higher prices because gold stocks don't represent today's price of gold. They represent the future price of gold discounted to the present 
and not just the future price of gold, but the future cost of mining the gold because you're trying to figure out what the profits are going to be for your gold mine and then discount them to the present. So if you think that the gold price is going to collapse once we have some type of resolution of this Russia situation, you are reluctant to pay up for the gold stocks. But people buying gold, well, they're not reluctant. They're just buying the gold. And so that's why we're seeing this divergence. But again, I think that even if we got a resolution, that's not bearish for gold. It's bullish. Now, let's say sometime in the next few days, I don't expect this to happen, but let's say we do have a resolution and everything is fine and the sanctions are off and Russia pulls out of the Ukraine, whatever. The price of gold will probably drop on that day. No question. Maybe it'll drop 50 bucks. Maybe it'll drop $100. I don't know. But it won't stay down before too long, whether it's a matter of days or maybe a matter of weeks, gold will make a new high because gold is going up regardless of what goes on with Russia and the Ukraine. This is just a bunch of noise. This is not the actual story. The real story is one of inflation. And the inflation story is getting bleaker and bleaker for America and other countries and brighter and brighter for gold. You may be ready to take your business to the next level, but you need the right team to help make it happen. And that's where Indeed comes in. Indeed makes it easy to hire and build a quality team with the skills to make your dreams a reality. If you're hiring, then you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find the candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you every step of the hiring process. They help you find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you'll get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. You can invite them to apply right away, plus you only pay for quality applicants who meet your must-have requirements. Candidates who you invite through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply for your job than those candidates who see it in search alone. And best of all, no other job site takes care of you like Indeed, because with Indeed, you only have to pay for the applicants who meet your requirements. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com Peter. Offer valid through March 31st. So go to Indeed.com slash Peter to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. That's Indeed.com slash Peter. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, then you need Indeed. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, but Peter, what's happening right now in Russia, that's inflationary because it's driving up oil prices and it's driving up commodity prices in general, whether it's agriculture or look at the industrial metals. Look at nickel. I mean, the price of nickel has just doubled. I mean, copper too is at a record high. Interestingly enough, the two metals that you need to make batteries for electric cars are copper and nickel. And of course, everybody is looking at electric cars as an alternative to 
gas-guzzling cars. Well, the cost of those cars is going to skyrocket based on the higher cost to produce those cars. You know, Biden's suggestion that I talked about in my last podcast that Americans just run out and buy an electric car and that's the solution to high gas prices. Well, the cost of buying that electric car is going to be increasingly out of the reach of most Americans who will have no choice but to pay those higher gas prices or just not drive, maybe ride on a bicycle. But as I said on the last podcast, these price increases in and of themselves aren't inflationary because inflation isn't caused by prices going up. Inflation causes prices to go up. It's not the other way around. What normally happens where you don't have the monetary expansion, which is the inflation, if some prices go up, well, then other prices go down because you don't have an unlimited amount of money. So money you spend buying certain goods or services is money that you don't have to buy other goods and services. So the overall price level doesn't change. Some prices go up and other prices go down. So if you have a surge in energy prices, in food prices, in rent prices, some other prices have to go down. And the prices that go down are for a lot of the goods and services that people forego. People stop buying because they're spending so much of their money on food, energy, and rent. And what that means is a recession. Because as people have to stop spending money on certain things so they can still afford to eat and put a roof over their head, people that earn a living in the industries that rely on that discretionary spending, they lose their jobs. So you get a recession. So what is happening right now is going to produce a recession. Now it's the government that is going to produce the inflation because that's how the government responds to recession is they create more inflation. They print more money. And in fact, what they often think of is, oh, oil is more expensive. That means consumers have to pay more money for gas. Food is more expensive. So going grocery shopping is going to be more expensive. We need to create more money. We need to give people more money so they can afford to pay those higher prices. That's what causes the inflation, not the price increases. In fact, I did some debate with some guy today. It was a value stock versus growth stock debate. And one of the things we talked about was war and inflation. And he pointed out that wars cause inflation. And I said, no, wars don't cause inflation. But wars often result in inflation, but it's not the wars themselves that cause it. It's the way governments finance wars. That's inflation. Because during a war, governments tend to print a lot of money to pay for the war because it's easier than raising taxes and borrowing money can take longer. So the quickest way to pay for a war, if you're on a fiat system, is just to print up the money and then you can use the money you print to pay your soldiers and to buy whatever materials you need to make weapons. And so it's not the war itself that is inflationary. It's how it's paid for. It's paid for with inflation. And so if we've got a war now with Russia, even if it's not a shooting war, even if this is an economic war, and by the way, Putin basically is regarding what the United States is doing, both in organizing these global sanctions and with banning these imports. This is war. This is an economic war. Even if we're not firing missiles, we're firing something. We are doing damage, intentionally inflicting damage on Russia. Now, whether they deserve it or not, again, I'm not arguing in support of what Putin is doing. He should not have gone into the Ukraine. So I am not excusing 
violence by any means. I am a libertarian. I'm a free market guy. So I don't like what Putin is doing, but I know Putin doesn't like what we're doing. And I know that China sitting back and watching this doesn't like what we're doing either. Even if they disagree with what Russia's doing, they don't like the fact that we have the power to respond economically the way we are because China may want to do something that we also disagree with and maybe that will be wrong as well. I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong, but from the perspective of the Chinese, they want to be able to make their own decisions without having to worry about what America is going to do based on a power that we only have based on their grace. If it wasn't for China and other countries supporting the dollar's role as the reserve currency, stockpiling dollars, loaning us all this money at low interest rates, we would not possess this power, nor would we have the ability to live so far beyond our means. We couldn't keep consuming without producing. We couldn't run these record trade deficits unless the rest of the world was willing to finance that. And I think their willingness to do that is going to come to an end. And I think what's happening right now is going to accelerate that process. And that's why I think this is backfiring. But getting back to where I was on the gold market because so many people think that this gold rally is all about Russia and the Ukraine, they're not buying these gold stocks. And you know, the same thing happened during COVID. Oh, gold's only going up because of COVID. And when that blows over, it's gonna go down. And lo and behold, COVID is not quite over, but we've moved on to the next excuse. We now have Russia, which has pushed COVID from the headlines, but gold is making new highs. Just like the balance sheet, the Fed's balance sheet keeps getting bigger and bigger and it never really shrinks. Doesn't matter. The price of gold just keeps marching higher. But now that we are at a record high in all currencies, there is nothing to stop the price of gold from going up. And in fact, Think about how the situation has changed in gold's favor since the beginning of what's going on in Russia. Forget about gold being a safe haven during times of geopolitical risk and uncertainty. Forget about all that. I'm just focusing on the fundamentals of gold as a monetary store of value and inflation hedge. Gold had already priced in a bunch of rate hikes on the part of the Federal Reserve, and it had priced in the shrinking of the Fed's balance sheet. To what degree the markets believed the Fed was going to shrink the balance sheet, I don't know. But there was some amount of shrinkage that was already discounted into the price of gold. Well, think about how much that landscape has now changed. Because whatever people were thinking before we had $125 oil, before food prices were skyrocketing, before we were in a bear market, pretty much in European stocks, they went from making new highs to getting killed before the NASDAQ was in a bear market. Remember, this is a reverse wealth effect. People's net worths are going up in smoke at the same time. Their grocery bills are soaring, their gas bills, their electric bills, their rent. So now, Whatever investors were penciling in as far as how many hikes the Fed was going to make or how quickly or by how much the Fed's balance sheet was going to shrink, they've had to 
refigure those numbers. They've had to cross out some of the rate hikes that they had penciled in or erase them. The same thing with QE. Clearly, whatever you thought the Fed was going to do, they're going to do less of it given what's going on right now. So they're not going to have as many rate hikes as people thought, if they even have any. I mean, who knows? Again, it's still likely that they're going to do the March hike because that one is right around the corner. The key is, will there be any other rate hikes that follow March? Or may March be the only one we get? It may very well be one and done. Now, I think the odds of one and done a few weeks ago were a lot lower than those odds right now. The same thing on the shrinking of the balance sheet. The Fed may never actually start that because we know that they're not going to start shrinking the balance sheet until they start raising rates, which they're not going to start for what another couple of weeks. But then we know from the last press conference that it's not that simple because they don't even have a plan yet. They haven't even thought about a plan, according to Powell. So after they lift off and raise rates, then they're going to start coming up with a plan on how to shrink the balance sheet. So by the time they come up with it, who knows how long that's going to take and who knows how long it's going to take to start implementing the plan that they ultimately come up with. I don't think you're ever going to get there. In fact, I think what's going to happen is before they come up with a plan to shrink the balance sheet, they're going to start growing it again. Even if they manage to get the first rate hike under their belt, they're never really going to get the quantitative tightening under that belt based on the enormity of the deficits and the weakness in the economy that is going to put even bigger upward pressure on those deficits. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals in 2022, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for wireless? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans that start as low as just $15 a month. In fact, when it came time to pick a wireless plan for my 8-year-old son, Mint Mobile was the perfect solution. By going online only, you eliminate the traditional cost of retail wireless. In other words, You cut out the middleman and Mint Mobile passes on the savings directly to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. With Mint Mobile, you can choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you and stop paying for data you don't need and never use. So switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting as low as just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com gold. That's mintmobile.com gold. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com gold. And by the way, treasury bond yields are back on the rise. Prices are falling. Bonds got clobbered today, even with a weak stock market. The yield on the 10-year back up to 1.872, still low, but moving up. And on the 30-year at 2.244. But if the Fed doesn't come in and back up the truck with a bigger round of QE, you're going to see a much bigger increase in interest rates because we're going to continue to get upward pressure on inflation. And the Fed is supposedly not there to buy these bonds when we have record deficits that are going to get bigger as the economy rolls over and moves towards recession. And you still got so many people talking 
about how strong this economy is when it's anything but strong. These record trade deficits are a reflection of just how weak the economy is. People keep pointing to these trade deficits and they say, oh, look how strong the economy is. Look at all this stuff we're buying. What they don't understand is the fact that we're buying all this stuff that we didn't produce shows you how weak the economy is because we couldn't produce the stuff that we consume. And so we're relying more heavily on the stronger economies overseas that are producing the stuff that we're incapable of producing. The only thing we can produce is money. And the only reason it has value is because the world is willing to trade us the stuff that they make for the money that we print. Well, they're not going to be making that trade much longer. And we're going to see a protracted decline in the dollar once this final hurrah, right? This is really maybe the dollar swan song where we're getting this rally on Russia and Ukraine. And believe me, once the dollar starts to fall, if you think we're seeing a big move up in the price of gold now, wait till you see how much bigger the daily moves are when it's happening against the backdrop of a falling dollar. Because a rising dollar is a headwind for gold. Always has been, always will be. The tailwind is when the dollar is sinking. So if we've got gold making record highs in an environment where the dollar is rising, just imagine how much bigger these records are going to be when the dollar is falling. And ultimately, it is going to sink, especially if we get a resolution of this Russia situation because the dollar has benefited from these tensions. And clearly, it's the European economies that have the most to gain from a resolution of what's going on in Russia. And so that would cause the euro to rise sharply and that would ultimately be bullish for gold, even if there was a short-term bearish reaction, because a lot of traders who only think gold is going up because of Russia, as soon as they read the headlines that the Russian situation is resolved, they will immediately sell gold. In fact, it's probably already programmed into some algorithm that's just waiting for that headline. As soon as it happens, it's going to be on autopilot and gold's going to get sold. But the smart money is going to be in their buying because the smart money understands the real reason that the price of gold is going up and the reason that it's going to keep going up. And you know who's probably buying a lot of gold right now apart from the Russians? The Chinese. I'm sure the Chinese are buying all the gold that they can get their hands on because they are thinking several moves ahead, right? They're playing chess. Maybe we're playing checkers or something like that. But they are thinking many, many moves ahead and they're seeing the end game. And the end game is the dollar no longer the reserve currency and they need to have more gold in their reserves rather than dollars. And speaking about supposed alternatives to the dollar or gold, Bitcoin is still going nowhere. As I am recording the podcast, Bitcoin is about 38000 600, still well below 40,000, making no headway whatsoever. We did have that dead cat bounce up to about 45,000. I said it was a dead cat bounce as it was bouncing. And now Bitcoin, you know, sold off. It hasn't made a new low yet. It hasn't cracked 33, 34,000. But as far as I'm concerned, it's poised to do that. And if you look at a chart of Bitcoin, we get below 30,000, maybe 29,000. There's just an air pocket there. There's really nothing going on between 30,000 and 10,000. And I think it's going to drop like a stone. And the Bitcoin community is very complacent to this risk. 
as they continue to watch the price of actual gold make new highs. Bitcoin is acting nothing like gold. It is not digital gold. It's not a non-correlated asset because it's proven to be highly correlated with the most speculative of NASDAQ stocks. So there is no real investment case for Bitcoin. Certainly not a store of value. It's certainly not a safe haven. It's not an inflation hedge. It's just a digital token that people gamble on. The problem is we've run out of fools to buy it because all the fools already own it and there's nobody new. I mean, maybe the same fools who own it are buying a little bit more, but they don't have an unlimited amount of money. I mean, they're probably all in as it is. I mean, think about it. If you are a true Bitcoin fanatic, I mean, you're all in on Bitcoin right now because what's happening should be sending Bitcoin to the moon. Why is Bitcoin not already at 100,000? That's what you Bitcoin hodlers have to start asking yourself. Question your thesis. Look at what's going on with the sanctions. Look at Russia. Why is nobody going into Bitcoin? This is supposedly Bitcoin's moment to shine and it's not shining at all. You know what is shining? Gold. What everybody believes is irrelevant. It's dead. It's the horse and buggy. Bitcoin is the car, right? It's passe. No one cares about gold anymore. Gold is what's making a new high. New all-time record highs. Sure, some of these Bitcoiners will poo-poo the fact that, oh, Peter Schiff is making a big deal and he's celebrating, he's doing a victory lap. Ooh, gold's up 50 bucks. It's up 20 bucks. Big deal. You know what? It is a big deal when you compare it to what Bitcoin is doing. I'd rather be up 2% than down 5%. But the fact is, Bitcoin is not making a new high. Bitcoin was 69000 last year. Why is it 40% lower than that right now, given what's going on? And not only given what's going on right now, given the massive amount of money that was spent advertising Bitcoin last year, cramming it down every investor's throat, including four Super Bowl ads, And look where the price is. In fact, I was watching on CNBC this morning and gold initially made its record high. And I had been watching it all morning. And up at that point, they still hadn't even talked about gold. And then I tweeted about it. And then not too long after that, they did finally mention that gold was at a record high. I put an at CNBC on my tweet. So, you know, there are people at CNBC that are following me, right? So I probably reminded them that they hadn't even mentioned the fact that gold was at a record high. But what they were talking about was Bitcoin. They had spent a lot of time covering Bitcoin. Even as the price of gold was making record highs, they were ignoring that. And instead, they were focusing on an irrelevant rise in the price of Bitcoin when that rise meant absolutely nothing. And instead of focusing on the failure of Bitcoin to rise, they're still talking about the case for why it will, that somehow it's still going to be the new gold, that people should still be buying Bitcoin and all these Bitcoin-related stocks, even though Bitcoin has just failed its first major test since widespread adoption, right? Since all these institutions know about it, it's on everybody's radar, it's on everybody's screen. You got all these ETFs, you got ETFs on futures, ETFs in Canada, you got it legal tender in El Salvador, wherever else it is few other cities, New York, Miami, everybody's making a big deal about Bitcoin. Everybody knows about it. Now we have this big geopolitical crisis. We have these sanctions. People are looking for alternatives to a fiat system and nobody is turning to Bitcoin. If Bitcoin can't go up, 
it's only got one direction to go, and that's down, and that's where it's headed. And you know, if you still have your Bitcoin and you are listening to this podcast, take my advice and sell your Bitcoin and buy some gold or buy some silver. If you really want to get out of the fiat-based system, if you're worried about inflation, and you should be, because it's going to get much, much worse, we're at the tip of the iceberg, there is no fighting inflation. You know, again, I was doing this debate with this guy today on the value versus momentum stocks, and he was saying, well, you know, it's easy to fight inflation. The Fed just has to raise interest rates high enough, and then they're going to win the fight against inflation. Yeah, easier said than done. How are they going to do that? How are you going to raise interest rates sufficiently high to fight inflation when you've got an economy so loaded up with debt? Volcker was able to do it because we didn't have nearly as much debt and we had a much stronger economy so we could handle 20% interest rates. We can't even handle half of that. Hell, we can't even handle 5%. I doubt we can even handle two. So we are in no position to fight inflation. So it's not going to be fought. Inflation is just going to win by default without a fight. So you need to get out of US dollars. You need to get into other assets. But what you don't need is Bitcoin. In fact, if you own Bitcoin, you need to get out of that too. So take a look at what's going on. Buy real gold, which is making new highs, or buy silver and get out of your fool's gold. And we make it easy for you at Shift Gold. You know, a lot of people have given me flack about this and I get a kick out of it. I read all these comments on Twitter, you know, when I tweet about Bitcoin or something. And there's always some guy who thinks he's being a wise guy and he's figuring this out. And he says, well, Peter Schiff says Bitcoin has no value, yet Schiff Gold accepts Bitcoin for their gold. Well, technically, we don't accept Bitcoin. We accept dollars. But what we did do, and I was one of the first companies to do this, actually, is we partnered up with a company called BitPay. And what BitPay does is it enables Shift Gold's customers at the point of sale, right? When you buy your gold and it comes time to pay, you can decide that you want to pay using Bitcoin. And so you do that through BitPay. And what BitPay does is they buy your Bitcoin from you at the prevailing market rate, the exchange rate for that Bitcoin, and then BitPay turns around and sends US dollars to shift gold. And so what you do is you end up selling enough Bitcoin to cover the dollar price of your gold, and then BitPay wires the dollars that it received in proceeds from selling your Bitcoin to shift gold so that you can get your gold. So in other words, you start off with Bitcoin, and Shift Gold has gold, and then you sell your Bitcoin to BitPay that turns around and sells that Bitcoin for dollars and sends the dollars to Shift Gold. So Shift Gold never sees your Bitcoin, never touches your Bitcoin. Of course, no one can touch a Bitcoin because it doesn't have any substance, but we don't get the Bitcoin. All Shift Gold gets are the dollars, but you get real gold. You get to get rid of fake gold, and now you own real gold. Oh, and by the way, another thing that I get accused of often by people that don't really seem to understand the gold business is they say, hey, if Peter Schiff likes gold so much, why is he selling it? Why am I trying to unload my gold? I'm telling people to buy gold, come to Schiff Gold and buy gold. I'm obviously selling gold, and I'm accepting dollars, right? If I hate dollars so much, why do I want dollars? Why am I giving people my gold for their dollars. Well, 
in case you don't know how the gold business works, I'm a middleman at Shift Gold. I'm buying gold wholesale and turning around and selling it retail. So when somebody calls up Shift Gold and buys gold, they're not buying any gold that Shift Gold owns. They're certainly not buying any gold that I own. I mean, I don't even own Shift Gold anymore. I have a marketing agreement with Shift Gold and I work very closely with the reps to make sure that the customer service is up to my likes and that the right types of coins are sold and the right markups and no high pressure and no numismatics. So I do exert influence and I founded the company and I hired the key guys, but I sold the business to Gold Money five years ago. But when you're buying gold from Shift Gold, it's not Gold Money's gold either. We call up a wholesaler and we buy the gold in order to sell it to you, the customer. We're just a middleman. So when I'm encouraging people to buy gold, I'm not selling any of my own gold. That's the last thing I'm going to do. In fact, I'm still buying gold. I'm still buying silver. I'm encouraging my followers to do exactly what I'm doing myself. And that is continue to buy gold. The reason that I recommend that you buy it from Shift Gold, it's not because I want to get rid of mine. It's because I know that if you buy your gold at Shift Gold, you're not going to get ripped off. You know, that's another thing I hear a lot of these Bitcoin people say is, how do you know you're getting real gold, right? Yeah, like, oh, you know, you can get counterfeit gold. Supposedly, that's one of the beauties of Bitcoin is that you know it's not counterfeit. You can't counterfeit a Bitcoin the way you can counterfeit gold, except you can't counterfeit gold. I mean, you could make a bar that looks like gold, but then if you try to use it as gold, it won't work. It has to be actual gold in order to have the properties. Now, if you're just some kind of idiot and you allow somebody to paint some tungsten gold and just give you this big bar and you're dumb enough to buy it as if it was real gold, that's your fault. That's not gold's fault. Gold has been serving as money for thousands of years. And they didn't have a lot of technology a thousand years ago, but people still could tell gold, real gold, from fake gold without any technology. It's easier today to verify the legitimacy of gold than it was a thousand years ago, yet they had no problem doing it a thousand years ago. So we have even less problems doing it today. But one of the best ways to know you're getting real gold is to buy the gold from a reputable source like Shift Gold, because we're not going to sell you fake gold. If you buy gold from Shift Gold, it's the real thing. But one of the ways that you know when you're buying gold that you're getting the real thing is you get gold from a reputable mint. So you buy the coins and the bars that are made by reputable mints that are not going to give you fake gold because they have a reputation. That's where the mints get their value. They take gold and they mint it into a coin or a bar and they earn a commission, a fee for doing that because they're taking the gold and they're putting it in a form that you can rely on for its authenticity. They're not going to risk losing the value of their brand by giving you fake gold because if it turns out that certain coins were not real, well, then the whole brand is destroyed and no one is going to trust it. So you buy your gold from a dealer you trust, and then you buy coins and bars from a mint that you trust. And of course, you get a gold coin. You can tell if anything has happened to that gold coin. You look at the face, you look at the size, you look at the mill marks. You can tell if anyone's tampered with it, if anybody has shaved any gold off of it. If you get a coin that says this is an ounce of gold, you can look at that coin and see, okay, yeah, there's a whole ounce here because 
Nothing has happened to this coin since it was minted. If someone tries to pass you a coin and it looks like all the edges have been shaven down, like people have scraped off some of the gold, then don't accept it as a full ounce of gold, right? Maybe you could weigh it or something and and figure out what you want to pay. But that's why these coins are made the way they are. So you can be assured that the amount of gold that the coin claims it has based on what's stamped onto the coin, that all that gold is still there. In fact, that's why you even have ridges on coins. And in fact, it's an interesting point. A lot of people don't know this, but the reason that a quarter has ridges on it and a dime, but not a nickel, is because a quarter and a dime used to be made out of real silver. And in order to be legal tender, there had to be a certain amount of silver in that coin to qualify as legal tender. So if somebody took a quarter and they scraped off some silver, there would no longer be enough silver on that quarter for it to be a quarter of a dollar. And so it wouldn't be legal tender. And the way you would know if you still had the right amount of silver in your coin is you would just turn it on a side and you'd look at those edges. And if they were rubbed down, then you would reject the coin and say, you know, there's not enough silver in here because we had real money. Now, we didn't have mill marks on nickels and pennies because they were made of copper and nickel and nobody was going to bother to scrape any copper off a penny. It really wasn't worth it. And pennies and nickels weren't actually legal tender anyway, because the only legal tender in the United States was gold and silver. That's defined by the constitution. We simply used copper and nickel to make transactions that were too small to affect with gold and silver, but we didn't bother putting those mill marks on those coins. But if you look at a quarter today or a dime, those mill marks are still there, even though there's no silver in either of those coins. So why do we still bother putting the mill marks on? Well, the reason is because it's counterfeit. Because back in 1964, when the U.S. government initially took the silver out of U.S. coins, they didn't want to change the look of the coin. In fact, if you think about the way they make a quarter, it's basically a bunch of copper, and there's a little nickel that plates it. Why didn't they just make the whole thing out of copper? Well, then it would just look like a big penny. They wanted it to look like an old quarter. They had to make it silver. I mean, imagine if they made an honest dime. It would look just like a penny, but it would be smaller than a penny, which would make no sense because you would say, hey, this small piece of copper is worth more than this bigger piece of copper. I mean, the reason a dime was worth 10 times a penny was because the penny was copper and the dime was silver. And everybody knew that silver was more valuable than copper. So a little piece of silver was worth more than a bigger piece of copper. But if you gave somebody a little piece of copper and said it's worth more than this bigger piece of copper, Americans would have said, what do you think? I'm an idiot. I'm not that dumb. So what we did is we took the copper and we coated it in nickel and we fooled them. And so they were almost that dumb because they accepted this counterfeit version of a dime. They accepted copper-plated nickel in place of silver. Although right now, I haven't looked up the melt value, but based on what's going on with copper and nickel prices, you should be hoarding not only all the pennies you can get your hands on, and these are pre-1981 pennies, because after 1981, they couldn't even afford to make a penny out of copper, and they started making them with zinc. Although with the way zinc prices are rising, you can probably get the zinc pennies and they're probably worth more than a penny. But I know those nickels are worth more than a nickel with the current price of nickel and the price of copper. And, you know, by the way, it is illegal 
to melt down U.S. pennies and nickels for the copper and nickel value. You're not supposed to be able to do it, but you don't even have to melt them down because if you own them, you still own that metal. And I've been encouraging people, you know, that don't have a lot of money, how do you make an investment? Just go through your change, get those old pennies from 1981 and earlier. But now it pretty much means probably any penny that you have has value. In fact, there's metal in all U.S. coins. There's nickel in there. There's copper in there. But obviously, the penny and the nickel are going to represent the best value. So you don't want to stock up on quarters, right? If you have a quarter, you're better off trading it in for five nickels and holding on to those because there's real value there. I mean, the dollar can go to zero. Those paper dollars could become worthless, but your change, right? There's some metal in there that's going to have value. And even if you can't legally melt it down, there will be a black market for those coins and you will be able to do it. In fact, at one point, what my father was doing, and this goes back to the 1960s, he used to go into the stores like a supermarket and he would buy something with paper and just get all the change. In fact, an uncle of mine owned a small general store and my dad used to go in there every night and say, hey, let me look through your register and he would go and find all the silver coins and take them out and replace them with paper or the newer coins because for a while, the real silver coins circulated alongside of the copper clads. In fact, I even remember as a young boy during the 1970s, whenever I would get change, I would always look closely at my change and I would turn the coins on the side and the ones that had copper in them, you would see the copper ring around the edge. But the ones that were pure silver, you wouldn't see that. And every time I happened to get some silver, I would take that one aside. I wouldn't spend it. I would hold on to it. In fact, I still have a box today with a lot of the silver coins that I personally removed from circulation and have to this day. And that is Gresham's law at work. Bad money chases out good money. That's Gresham's law because when you have bad money, you want to spend the bad money and that circulates. But the good money is removed from circulation. So if I found an honest quarter that was made out of silver, I didn't want to spend that because I only got a quarter's worth of goods and services. I wanted to spend the phony quarter that was made out of copper and nickel, and I wanted to hold on to the one that was made out of silver. Well, Gresham's law is going to go into effect worldwide. People are going to want to get rid of their dollars, their weak fiat currency, and they're going to hold on to stronger currency. But the same thing is going to happen with crypto and gold and silver. People are going to want real gold, real silver. They're not going to want the fool's gold anymore. They're not going to want these cryptocurrencies. By the way, there's now better than 18,000 cryptocurrencies in circulation, and the supply is growing each and every day. And Gresham's Law, people are going to be dumping these. They're going to be hoarding on to real gold and silver. So as I said earlier, if you still have any Bitcoin, Get on the phone after this podcast, go to the Shift Gold website and use BitPay. Take your Bitcoin now while they're still above 38,000 before we fall through this trap door and buy yourself some real gold because it's just broken out. It's at just over 2,000. Don't hold on until Bitcoin is 5,000 and gold is 5,000. I'm not really sure which is going to hit 5,000 first. They're both going to get there. Personally, I think 
Bitcoin will trade at 5,000 before gold, but they're both going there. But Bitcoin's not going to stop at 5,000. 5,000 is not the floor. Zero is the floor. And gold's not going to stop at 5,000 because 5,000 is not the ceiling. There is no ceiling. The sky's the limit. And the reason there's no ceiling on the price of gold is because there's no floor to the value of the dollar. The value of the dollar can go to zero, so the price of gold can go to infinity. 